You're listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talinsky and Wes Boss. Hey, welcome to Syntax. In this episode, we're going to be doing a look back and a little bit of a look forward on our 2017 and into 2018 as we approach the end of the year here. So we're going to be doing a little bit of personal and professional look back, seeing what worked for us, what didn't work, and what we're excited about in the future. We're also going to be talking about what happened this year with javascript css and a web overall awesome how's it going scott how are you doing today i'm doing pretty good all things considered i'm not getting much sleep still with the oh yeah the, the little one but uh yeah all things considered I'm, I'm feeling pretty good here i'm ready to go it's a beautiful sunny day here in denver so awesome we're about to get slammed by a snowstorm and i i hadn't got our snow tires on so i uh oh. I uh, I went crawl into it's actually a good a good use case for for talking about relationships because I have a really good relationship with my uh, mechanic and uh, he'll <laughs> always squeeze me in no matter how busy he is so he just threw him on for me he got some blizzaks on there oh <laughs> nice you're gonna be plowing through that snow <laughs> looking forward to it uh, cool so let, let's let's jump right into it we'll take a, let's start with uh, some personal and professional look backs like personally what what did we both do in 2017 and then we'll we'll jump into some like what actually happened in the the greater industry in in 2017 so other than this podcast being sponsored by blizzax we're also sponsored by uh fresh books which is cloud accounting software and Snipcart, which is the best way to implement uh, a shopping cart with any out any sort of back end on your website so thanks so much to them for sponsoring and we'll we'll go into them a little bit more part way through the show so let's kick it off with uh some personal and professional stuff that both happened with us how was your 2017 I thought it was great. Uh, 2017 is a, a year year for the books. I don't know. Maybe my 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 year is sort of up and down, right? Yep. So per- personally, uh, we had a, our our first child. My son Landon was born in May, and uh, so that's sort of totally world world changing. So uh, on a personal basis, uh, becoming a father was just. Uh, endlessly crazy and amazing and all those things that they they tell you it's going to be uh, without being able to actually understand yeah so uh, in that regard you know you know 2017 is going down in the books but uh, for the for the most other than that like my year was sort of all over the place and between um, you know the all the the new parent stuff where you're really not getting any sleep and your whole world's completely turned upside down uh I'm feeling at the tail end of 2017 to finally be feeling like things are moving forward in the best possible way. And yep. I'm super duper excited to have that momentum going into next year. So I, I'm looking forward as 2017 was a like a launch pad for 2018 and all of the awesome stuff that I'm looking to get done. That's awesome. Yeah, we had... So we didn't have a, a kid this year, but we had our our youngest in September, and mm-hmm. um, still like a good chunk of my 2017 was like when they don't sleep and you have a bad sleep, especially for me, I can't operate on very little sleep. It just rocks you, and it, it really cuts into your productivity and and uh, just those the feeling good about where you're getting professionally. Obviously, like I wouldn't trade it for the world, and I think there is a little bit of like dad juice that you get from. Uh, from having kids that mm-hmm. uh, I didn't necessarily have before that, but uh, it definitely definitely takes a toll on on your professional side as well when when your kids aren't sleeping. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been one of those things, and like if you're doing a lot of recording like uh recording tutorials and stuff like that it's so hard to uh, to wake up and first thing in the morning and be like yeah let me start speaking into a microphone coherently because it's not going to happen you're just yeah. going to sound out right so i would have to like push my recordings back to later in the afternoon till i was feeling awake and it's just been a huge adjustment and uh these past maybe 2 months or so here coming into uh the end of the year have just been endlessly improved upon and improved upon and now i'm feeling like i have this this 
uh, significant flow going into next year. So uh, other than that, uh, you know, again, uh, second half of the year, I've improved in breaking for like the first time in a long time. Because when you get to my age, it's like kind of a, a big decline. But uh, this year, I can finally say I think I'm a much better dancer than I was last year, which I haven't been able to say for a little while, uh, even though I've been practicing just because uh, age, age injuries, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and health wise, man, I, I've I'm entering the beginning of 2018 better than I was at 2017, even though the middle of 2017 was a complete shit show of working out for me. So uh, I'm I'm feeling very good about (laughs) where I am right now. Yeah. Awesome. How about you on the, on those fronts? Yeah. Um, my personal 2017 was, was really, really good. Um, we talked a lot about on the, the health and fitness show. I've been, been getting into shape. I'm turning 30 in February. So, uh, trying to get all that in gear before I, uh, I officially turn old. I guess that's when you officially turn old is 30. I think that's... <laughs> I'm old then, yes. I, are, you, are you 30 now? Yes, I am. I'm 31. Okay. Uh, yeah, what, uh, when is your birthday? February 18th. 18th. I'm, the, I'm March 1st, so we're right around the same time. Oh, right on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I'm really happy to, to finally have my health taken seriously and, and sort of getting that in all into gear. Um, this was my first full year of this is, I guess, more on the professional side, but, uh, this is my first full year of doing just being on my own for my, uh, for myself. So I've probably been on my own for about a year and a half now doing no client work. Um, and this is my first full year of it. Um, and it's funny, I was looking back on my, my goals for this year and I, I totally missed them. I, I thought I would launch a lot more content than I actually did. Um, but if I look back in terms of like what I actually did accomplish and, uh, in, in terms of like revenue and, and sales and all that stuff, I like, I, I just kicked it out of the park. So very happy on that front. Um, which I kind of goes back to last episode. We're talking more about course correction than, than slamming these goals. So, uh, pretty happy with, with how everything went, um, in terms of professionally. Um, I, I obviously, um, I, I made a lot of improvements to my course platform. So the reason why I didn't get as much content out as I had hoped in 2017 was I spent a lot of time on my uh, my course platform and making sure that that could handle just absolutely everything from the the viewing experience to sales experience to uh, marketing. I spent like uh, probably at least a month of my time this year um, on email marketing. Um, I still don't do a whole lot of email marketing, but I moved everything over to uh, this company called Drip, um, mm-hmm. and they have I'm uh, they have this really um, crazy tagging and segmentation um, and the ability to automate stuff, and it's it's really really powerful. And I spent a lot of time making sure that every little piece of data that that I have. Uh, on someone who's watching a course or, or on someone who's visiting a website, that goes into my drip so that if I need to be able to target people appropriately. So I was pretty happy about uh, moving over. That's a big undertaking, especially when like it, it doesn't show at all. It, it shows in my sales, but it doesn't show to, to anyone at all. Yeah, that's one of those things that gives me a lot of anxiety. Like I don't like working with emails already like i don't Mm -hmm. i I hate working in html emails i don't know who anyone who honestly really likes it uh if you like it shout out to you uh but like yeah anything dealing with email management email lists that all just gives me a lot of anxiety for some reason yeah it's it's not i don't i think as developers we 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 all hate email and we hate getting email um and it's it's just like sort of weird double-edged sword where it's absolutely the best thing you can do for your business. And it's absolutely something that we, we generally don't like. So um, I'm, I've been pretty happy like with where I'm, I've been at for email in the last year in terms of like the tone of, of how I write them and how often I send them and, and whatnot. And the, I, the, the response to them is always great and the, it always helps my sales. So I, I think I'm in a really good spot with email and that's, that's been uh, at the forefront for my 2017. Nice. Maybe I'll have to put that on my 2018 look ahead goals. Maybe we'll have a, uh, a show on, uh, specifically on email, how to, how to do it without feeling yucky. I'd be down for that. (laughs) Uh, what else do you have on, on your personal professional front? I got a lot of professional stuff. I, uh, for a large part of this year, I, I, I worked on that startup I mentioned in the last episode. Um, and, um, it took a lot for me to do this because it was the largest code base I had built. It was, mm-hmm. a, you know, the project felt like a part of me, but I cut ties with the team and I cut ties with all of that code and that project. And it felt very, 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 very freeing. It felt excellent. It's so, amazing. Uh, 
Yeah. So now all of that time and energy and effort that I did not get to put towards level up tuts uh, is going to be used directly towards level up tuts and uh, again, I'm, I'm just so excited for, I, I'm seeing what I was able to accomplish with it this year while I was doing this other thing. So mm-hmm. uh, if if I'm 100% invested, 100% available for it, I'm just excited to see what I was going to, could accomplish, right? Yeah. This year, uh, the site made huge, huge steps forward. The, the loading time got cut down like crazy because I started using pretty, uh, pretty awesome code splitting using react loadable and meteors dynamic imports i added server-side rendering i added redux i added um, web workers and stuff like that to make it uh, work better offline i added uh, local storage persistent state for my redux store uh, major redesign on several pages a new payment system added uh, braintree and ripped out the whole thing oh yeah um, simplified all of my offerings before it was like five different ways you could buy things on level up and it's totally uh, been simplified so overall the site is 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 cruising right now and i'm really excited to see what i can do for it in 2018 but for uh ser- series wise i recorded a whole bunch of series too i probably recorded um i don't know i probably i'd have to do some math on here but i probably recorded like 400 tutorial videos this year wow which yeah i'll have to do some math on that one but um that would—I don't know if that would be my highest year. I—I I, I typically work around that range mm-hmm. uh, for recording, but I've recorded a lot of stuff, and uh, I feel really good about—I um, don't know—production values increasing and and editing and everything just seems a lot better. Not only that, but we started a podcast, and uh, yeah, that's been a ton of fun. So <laughs> uh, that's that's number one, I think. Yeah, look, we've been—we were talking about launching this thing for for forever right and Mm -hmm. it's something that i've wanted to do forever and uh podcasting has has blown up like i've been listening to podcasts since like this week in tech launched like 11 years ago or whenever it launched and it seems like they've been it's been really really taking off and uh we launched it what late july late june something like that yeah and uh now we're 23 episodes in and it's been amazing i've been like super happy with Right out of the gate, we had some extremely solid listener numbers. Um, and I guess that's because we both have had audiences um, elsewhere. So we were able to sort of launch with a with a bang. And uh, it, it's really well. We've been getting some really good feedback in terms of what people like and what they don't like. And um, we, we're talking about doing some sort of shuffling up some different uh, formats in the new year. Um we're starting to to get some consistent sponsors. People are finding value from actually sponsoring it, which is which is great to me to be able to help other businesses reach uh, our, our developer audience. So yeah, like super happy that everything that has gone on with the podcast, and, and big thanks to everyone who has has left a review or supported us or shared it with a friend because uh, I really enjoy it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, tremendous. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about how much better uh, the show's gotten in the 23 episodes, and I'm thinking like, man, in 23 more episodes, how much better is it going to get? It's just going to keep getting better. So uh, here's uh, here's looking out to the future exactly. of syntax. Yeah, I feel like I, even myself, in terms of uh, how I can explain things, I think my tutorials are getting better. I think like when I give conference talks, I'm a lot more confident. I'm able to just go off the cuff a lot more. A lot of that had come from my teaching in person for six years, but I think doing this every single every week in week in week out has has really helped my ability to explain things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I recorded uh, seven tutorials on Friday for Redux in React. And I maybe misspoke like three times <laughs> in all seven <laughs> tutorials. Like, uh, my video editor is not going to have anything to do. He's going to chop out some dead space. He's just going to be like, wow, this is, you didn't even mess this up at all. So that's amazing. Uh, yeah, definitely improving on that front. Uh, what else? From my end, um, I launched my Learn Node course, which did extremely well. I was really happy with that. That was a huge undertaking for me. It was a really big course. Um, I spent a lot of time making sure that. Um, it would be very future friendly. It was all it was all done in async await, um, which I was really happy at the time. Async await had just landed in Node, and like the next week, I launched it, um, which was amazing. Um, I updated my ES6 course, um, my JavaScript 30 course. Actually, I was just looking at it. It's been out for a year now. It came out on December 8. Um, but most of the traction and most of the 
sort of the wins and all the feedback and all the people that have discovered it had come in this year. So I was really happy to see uh, all the people that have gone through that course and, and taking it. That's by far my most successful course so far in terms of sign up numbers and people taking the course. Um, and then I've been working the last couple of months on, um, I'm sort of half done a React course and uh, half done a Grid course. Been been working on both of those sort of in parallel and, and just pausing them as I have to, have to wait on things. So early nice. 2018 is going to be jam-packed with uh, some big, big releases. Awesome. Looking forward. <laughs> oh, and stickers. That was that was one yeah. thing. Sticker um, mania. Sticker mania. I, uh, I think I did two big runs of, of stickers and... Um, I finally have like a process and a fulfillment and all the stuff in place for uh, for stickers. And up until the last batch that I had done, I had been just sort of breaking even trying to figure this thing out. And um, at the last batch, I actually made a little bit of money, which I was happy about because uh, I don't know, it's it's a silly thing, but it takes a lot of time uh, and uh, in order to get all of that in place and, and to to modify my code base to sell stickers and to automate the the printing and like it's it's huge there's like literally 5000 people each time i sell stickers that are, are interfacing with this thing so uh, it was kind of a, a neat little challenge to to be able to move my skill set over to the physical uh, and do the whole i've always been curious about the whole like fulfillment and and procuring mm-hmm. them from like i have them printed overseas so it's kind of it's been a uh, been fun to do that. I, I'll probably do them again sometime in in 2018. Nice. Um, I just uh, not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> a little stickered out. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Super what about cool. you? Any more? Um, let's see. Professional, personal. I don't know. Uh, things things have just like I said, the first half of the year. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily as focused. Uh, son was born and then got really unfocused. And then this last half of the year been really super focused. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it pretty much it for me. I, I, I've, like I said, made major, major, major updates to the platform. I've released a whole bunch of tutorials somehow. Yep. I don't even remember how I did that, but somehow. Uh, but yeah, no, that's it for me. Awesome. What about your, your goals for 2018? And uh, Scott and I used to be part of a um what's that called what do you call that mastermind a mastermind which is where we sit around and uh, maniacally laugh and and things like that we actually call <laughs> what do we call it the yacht club where yeah the yacht club the yacht club where we would all that's a great name uh, talk about businesses and one day we'll buy yachts but uh the the thing with goals is that you need to make sure you make smart goals and this is business school west coming out but a smart goal is um simple what measurable simple measurable attainable and uh, hold on let me pull this up i don't what business school west doesn't know how to specific measurable achievable realistic and timely so like uh, having goals you don't say like i want to get better i want to get in better shape or i want to get more views on youtube you say i want to lose 15 pounds i want to get 30,000 more subscribers or or something like that. So we're not going to go through our smart goals right now just because like they're a little bit more personal and sometimes they're monetary or, or whatnot. But just kind of a look forward. What are you hoping to, to do in 2018? Yeah. Yeah. And as you say that, like all of my goals listed here, because I didn't want to get personal, they were like better production, like yeah. totally <laughs> yeah, better features. Um, yeah, no. So for me, 2018, like I said, I have all this energy that I, I was able to put in at the second half of this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having a full year of putting all that energy in. Uh, I'm going to release a new series every single month for Level Up Tuts. So um, if you're a Level Up Pro, you can subscribe and vote on what those series are going to be and, and shape which content I make. Um, but so I, I'm, I'll be releasing a lot of premium tutorials. I plan on releasing a lot of stuff for YouTube uh, because of I'm going to be having a, uh, a video editor do editing for me. Um, I'll be able to record a lot more. I'm, I'm looking actually to hire on a few different people to help out here and there contract wise to like um, let me focus on the things that I like doing, which is mm-hmm. recording tutorials. Because, uh, you know, if I can spend more time recording, I can produce more and not have to worry about all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm the type of person that likes to do everything myself. So uh, trying to break out of that mold of doing everything myself and getting a little bit of help here and there 
So uh, yeah, better, better, uh, more tutorials, higher production values. I'm going to be building a set in my office at some point Ooh. for YouTube channel. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking a lot about this and I don't have it totally down yet, which is why I don't have it, but, uh, I'll be building some sort of set. I'm going to try to make it not cheesy, zero cheese factor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my style. Uh, trying, yeah, trying desperately not to make it cheesy. And then, um, yeah, so better features on the site. There's a lot of stuff on the level up tutorial site that I just, I don't know, needs improvement. Yeah. Um, UX wise, features wise, whatever. There's always things you're your own worst critic. I look at it and I see all of the imperfections and all the things I want to fix. So there's a billion, billion, billion things I want to add a level up tutorials. And uh, most importantly here, I think this is a big one. I want to spend less time working overtime because right now I work constantly i work 24 7 and uh with a son and a wife it is not a good idea to do that all the time for my mental health yeah uh, so really i want to be able to take weekends off and evenings off and spend time with my family and stuff like that so uh so the goal is going to be able to get things into a place where i have to work less overtime which is uh which is always good yeah yeah totally i think that in in 2017 i got really good at not caring when an email comes in and not being like, oh, I should just run up quickly and, and reply mm -hmm. to them, or I should quickly, and like just being able to be like, whatever, I'll do it on Monday. I don't know if that comes with uh, just do, been doing it for a while or being able to just like let it go and, and not, not have to worry about it. So I don't, I don't know how that happened, but I'm really happy that it, it has really improved my weekends. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. So my goals for uh, 2018 are not a lot. Um, I think 2017 was was spent a lot of time sort of prepping a lot of the foundations for course platform and marketing and um, email list is really, really big now. So I have this sort of stage and uh, 2018 is, is going to be just really doubling down on what is working and, and uh, releasing lots and lots of content. So um, I'm hoping to release four new series in 2018. Nice. Um, I've got the advanced react one coming out. I've got the CSS grid one coming out. Um, I, re I really want to do like a VS code one. A lot of people have been asking for that. I think that'd be a fun one to do. Wouldn't be too, too hard. Um, and then a lot of people, I, the one thing that really kills me right now is I don't have anything for people who are new or, or new ish to specific technologies. Meaning that mm -hmm. someone comes to me and they say, I can't take your courses because I'm not good at JavaScript. And because my stuff is all like beginner to more intermediate, intermediate I guess, yeah. like it's not the not the 101. So I've spent a lot of time, like at least two years, just thinking like, what would a introduction to JavaScript course look like? That is not the same as the thousands of them that are out there already. So um, I really got some good ideas in terms of like how to make a JavaScript course, um, both for people who want to fill in the gaps. Maybe you've been doing javascript for a year or two but you you still feel a little shaky um, but as well as it can be you can just like give it to somebody you can point people to it and be like if you are new to javascript this is where you need to go and it's not the like same old document dot write and right. alert yeah. or prompt or things like that 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 you've seen over and over again we should we should talk off mic about this because i have a i've been doing i have a whole page of notes about the same oh, thing really? so yeah Let's, yeah sweet off mic <laughs> Hashtag off mic. Sorry, uh, everyone. <laughs> and I, I also want to do that for, for CSS as well, because people have been coming to me and it, it's developers, uh, all experiences being like, why don't you show us the CSS in your courses? And the answer to that is because it would be 30 hours long. Like it literally yeah. takes me weeks to, to design this stuff. Um, and uh, but I, pe people just want to know, like, how do you do this? What's the best way to approach it? And I think that I could make a really nice CSS course where uh, regardless of if you're brand new to CSS or if you're just kind of shaky, I know a lot of developers come either from being backend devs or just JavaScript devs and they, they want to get like rock solid at, at writing CSS. So those that's my hopeful. And, and by I, I, I go back to the, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And that's the quote from Derek Sivers. Um, I, there's a lot of really fun stuff coming my way in terms of conferences and training and partnerships and all kinds of stuff. And it's all really exciting and I want to do it all, but I just can't. And I think I need to, to double down on actually just creating more content um, because that's, that's what I love to do. And, and that's what my business is. Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Exactly. I, I also want to rewrite my checkout experience. Um, it, 
both because I want to be a little bit more flexible in terms of the different payment gateways that I can accept in the future, uh, as well as the mobile checkout is a little bit wonky right now, which I know is probably losing me some money. Um, the, uh, the, The design of it isn't great. I know sometimes people mistype their email address and I know that um, first, people are stupid and they don't know how to type their own name in their email address. <laughs> but m- probably more importantly, I think that's something that design can solve. Uh, if you're having people mess up when they're checking out, I think that design is is something that can can solve that issue there. Uh, and then my last one is uh, continue to delegate and automate. And yeah. so I've I've re- I've in the past month I've hired on an assistant to help me with my email, which is my most hated thing in the world. Um, which is great. So she's been she's been doing uh, most of my email um, and all the sticker stuff and, and a whole bunch of all over the place different stuff for me. So that's that's been my first foray into delegating to other people, and uh, I really want to figure out how to to continue delegating and, and automating. I, I always prefer to automate things, uh, but at a certain point, you need a human to step in and and, and do some work. So. Uh, I've been, been doing really well at the automate part, and I think the, the delegate part is, is where I'm at now. Yeah, so it seems like we have pretty similar goals in a lot of ways. Uh, more content uh, yep. and, you know, delegate, automate, improve experiences. That's exactly. Same stuff, yeah. And cool. I also want to get faster at recording. I feel like it takes me a long time. I feel like you're much faster at making content than I am. And uh, I think that that's actually one of the first things I asked you when we, you joined the, uh, the mastermind is how do, you, how do you record so much in so little time? So I want to figure out uh, a better process or I want to be able to just flip on my screen recorder when I've got half an hour and I don't have to set aside like half a day. Uh, otherwise, I, don't, I won't be recording or something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there, I got a lot of tips there. Um, some of it's just practice stuff, but yeah, a lot of stuff. Cool. Tasty yeah. treats. Tasty treats. So uh, <laughs> talking about improving your cart experience, a nice way to improve your cart experience would be by using a snip cart. Yeah. Amazing. Everyone on Twitter has been talking about Scott's amazing. Uh, what do you call that? A segway. A segway. Uh, yeah. It segues into it. So Snipcart is our sponsor. And uh, what they do is they provide an entire end-to-end shopping cart experience uh, for your website. So if you want to sell something online, uh, like a course or like stickers or a t-shirt or any type of, or maybe you have like a recurring billing thing, then you don't want to have to build it yourself because like we've just went over, it can take months out of your year to actually build this stuff yourself. Um, you can just drop Snipcart onto your website. And it's like sort of the the perfect thing um, because some of some of the other solutions they kick you off to an external website to complete the transaction. And I know myself that you're going to lose money as soon as you kick somebody off your your website off to a separate one. So what this does is it drops just drops right into your website with a couple lines. It's a JavaScript library, so you just drop it into your website with a couple lines of HTML, and you'll be able to integrate the cart right into it. And then it is a service that essentially replaces your entire backend for you. So um, some of the features that it has reoccurring, you can do discounts. So uh, any type of coupon codes, you can handle all the payment gateways. So you still can work with Stripe or PayPal or all these different payment gateways that you have. Um, It can deal with shipping, um, calculating how much a specific thing is going to cost to ship to you, invoices, uh, multi-currency, customer dashboard, all the stuff that you would want in in being able to, to sell stuff online. It does the back end for you. And this is perfect because we're slowly moving o- over to this whole like sort of like no back end or serverless. And if, if you if you want to be able to charge a card, even with Stripe.js, you can still drop the buy now button on your page with JavaScript. But at some point you need to charge the card or you need to charge that token on a server. And mm-hmm. whether you're doing that on a, a traditional backend or a serverless function, that's still a backend. So Snipcart will take all of that away. It will do all of the, the transaction processing for you. Um, if you head on over to snipcart.com forward slash syntax, um, they are going to give you three months for free, which is amazing. Um, and uh, 
uh, yeah, I don't know. That's I'm pretty happy that they're sponsoring because when I had a, a quick call with the, the developers behind it and I was like, this is like perfect overlap because people are building yeah. this like totally client side experiences in React or something like this. And if you need shopping cart, you could just drop in Snipcart. Super nice. Big Super fan. smooth. Yeah. So thanks so much to them for sponsoring. Make sure you go to snipcart.com forward slash syntax. Nice. Cool. So, okay, we went over some of our our stuff in this year. Uh, now let's get to this some um, some Cody Cody stuff, some code here. Um, let's talk about JavaScript in 2017 because to to me the overall message of JavaScript in 2017 is that things got easier and better to build. Like, yes. like everything got easier to build stuff between Next.js and Gatsby and all that stuff that came out. The some of the, Did Create React App come out in 2017 or 16? 2016, but it was, okay. I think, maybe mid-2016. I think 2015, 2016 was the year of people being extremely overwhelmed everything sort of thrashing changes everything was quickly Uh, 2017 was was still a a year of a lot of stuff coming out but i think a lot of the things that did come out were like this is going to make your life easier and it's not going to be so bad and we saw a lot of really kind of neat new things come out in terms i I think for me the the biggest ones were these frameworks the server-side rendered frameworks like um personally i use next.js but uh, if for view people, there's a Nuxt.js, uh, Gatsby.js, which is a static site generator. Um, and they sort of just bundle all both the like the hard webpack part as well as the how do you server side render React all. And it makes it just super simple. So I was so happy to have all of these these frameworks start to become standard in, in 2017. Yeah, I spent less time writing configuration in 2017 than I have in 2016 yes. or 2015. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I think that's like the overarching message to me is that things are getting uh, better. Not that they were bad, but things are getting cooler. And uh, so, so yeah. So in JavaScript, we saw the release of these SSR frameworks, um, static site generators, basically tooling, just platforms on top of platforms that make things easier to build. So I, I'm really excited to see, I mean, even what was the one that just, was it Parcel is the thing that just came out? Is that? What's am Parcel? I, am I, is that the correct name? I might be totally wrong. Um, is a Webpack build configuration? Oh, the new one that just came out. Yeah, Parcel. Is it? It's Parcel. Parcel.js.org. Sorry, I, I tweeted about this. So, yeah, uh, in, but, it's like an alternative yeah. to to Webpack, and it's uh, well for now it's a zero config, which everything starts off as zero config, and uh, eventually the maintainers break and add a setting. Uh, but for now, it's a zero config bundler that is sort of an alternative to Webpack. Nice. Okay. So yeah. So I think I think what we're even seeing there is the tail end here is that the tooling is going to be getting less and less of a pain in the ass. So uh, that's yeah. that's a plus for me. In that I, I've been saying this for all year. I, I just, oh, yeah. people have been asking me for a webpack course, and I was like, no, just wait. It will yeah. get easier, and there will be people that either build stuff on top of webpack, or there will be alternatives to to webpack that. Uh, are a little bit more suited to whatever use case that you're you're specifically working at because it, I don't think that it makes sense for every every Joe developer uh, to be configuring a webpack themselves. It's just too difficult. Yeah, hashtag let someone else do it for you. <laughs> it's uh, going to be my motto for 2018. <laughs> Amazing. Another thing that happened in 2017, I think, is that GraphQL started to gain some serious momentum. Um, so GraphQL, if you haven't heard of it, is... We didn't do our episode on GraphQL, did we? Yet? No, we, we've oh, talked about it like several times. We've got then... a tasty one coming for you, folks. Tasty. Uh, <laughs> so GraphQL tasty. is... Uh, rather than having like a rest endpoint that you you hit your rest endpoint for maybe orders uh, and then you you specifically maybe you want like a, a user so you have to hit another endpoint for the user and then maybe you want a list of products so you hit another endpoint for that instead of that you have sort of like one endpoint and you create these queries which is essentially it looks like the data without uh, it, it's just JSON but with only the left hand side values and then you hit this endpoint and then it will just populate the only the data that you want and 
Um, the benefit to that is that both your your responses are just as small as you could possibly get them. It only contains the data that you want. Maybe you only want the orders with the order number and a description of the order and not the rest of the data. You don't have to request that. Um, and then I guess the the other benefit to that as well is it's it's relational. So you can request maybe users and orders at the same time, or maybe you can ask for an order and then populate the product info from that order. And then from that product info, you could also populate related products. And you can go like three or four levels deep populating the, the values as you want. So um, it's really exciting. It's going to take a while because it's a big shift to change from GraphQL, from REST to GraphQL. Um, but I think that if there's something worth learning in 2018, especially if you um, are looking at like getting a job and, and having a nice looking resume, I would definitely spend some time on on GraphQL. Yeah, yeah, it, man. There, it, I love how it's like sort of self-documenting too with your queries. I mean, you know what the data you're getting, so you know what data is going to be available. It, it's all super slick. Uh, yeah. I really love it. Yeah. And it's it's all typed. I guess this is another trend for 2017 is yeah. typings, right? So big, big, big trend, yeah. GraphQL is typed. And for those who don't know, typed means that um, in JavaScript, it, we were what's called loosely typed, meaning that you just create a variable called age, and you could set that to a number or a string or an object or anything that you want. And uh, these typed languages like TypeScript or Flow, which Flow. is tacked on to JavaScript or um, GraphQL, Reason, Reason, Reason ML. So you have to specifically give it the type. So whether you have to tell it if it's going to be a number or a string ahead of time. Um, and what that does is it makes your the tooling and the autocomplete really, really nice because uh, as you start to type, it will try to suggest um, possible fields for you in the GraphQL query, which is neat. Yeah, I think that was something. So like TypeScript, I think, had its moment once Angular 2... Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just got I just got the ring doorbell. I have the ring door. I just got the ring doorbell too on Black I, Friday. Yeah, me too. And I uh I hooked it up and I got the desktop app. Oh. And uh somebody walked up to my front door and the motion detector went. So we I see leave. I hear you have the wind chimes. You we have can, the wind chimes yeah. Nice. You can leave that in if you like. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, no, that's hilarious. <laughs> what were you gonna what were we saying? No, I'd say I was gonna say that like what was it? I don't know, was it 2015 when Angular 2 was announced with being TypeScript? Either way, TypeScript had its moment when uh, Angular 2 was going to be fully in TypeScript, right? Because now mm -hmm. everyone um, is sort of by default using TypeScript in this platform that's hugely popular. So that instantly makes it one of those things that everyone knows about. But in this year, I mean, between Flow, Reason ML, or Reason, I guess, and uh, and TypeScript, you definitely saw a huge trend of, of people really making the effort to do it in all of the platforms, React and whatever, even if it's not required. Like a lot of people are going to a strictly typed or a type system here, uh, something that I don't think I've, we have really seen this strong of a shift into type systems since, I don't know, I don't think we've ever seen it. So uh, it's really interesting to me. I'm not using anything yet. I'm trying to see which one is the winner. <laughs> yeah. Kind of waiting for a winner right now. Just sitting on the sidelines. It's also really funny to us as I've always been a JavaScript developer. And then as we get, I've always been a JavaScript developer and I've always been a text editor user. And as we, people get excited about typings in JavaScript and autocomplete in our VS code, it really makes people who have been in other languages that are typed forever oh, yeah. and Roll been working eyes. in IDs, it really makes them angry. But I'm sure. Uh, just let us be excited, folks. And we know that this has been around forever. Yeah, um, I, I wonder if there is like that thought that JavaScript developers like don't know this, like don't know that these things have existed before. Like, yeah, I think we all know. It's just exciting to have those kind of toolings for yeah, us. Come, you know. come to the JavaScript realm. Yeah. Um, another thing that happened in in JavaScript land, or maybe WordPress land, is that uh, WordPress has been been really rewriting their entire post editor with this thing called Gutenberg. Um, and this is pretty exciting because uh, they made the decision to go with React in in WordPress core. I, I think it was up in the air for a while there because of the. I wonder what happened with that because they, they announced that they were dropping React because of the 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 patent the patent stuff. The, yeah, but then when React dropped the patent stuff, 
did they I believe I believe they, they continued react I think they I didn't hear an announcement but I did see some people posting screenshots of how do you write a Gutenberg add-on and Gutenberg Gutenberg add-on and it you can write Art. them in react which is really uh, really neat um, so that's pretty big because we're again JavaScript is is infiltrating everywhere and I think that's going to be a big shakeup in uh, in 2018, we're going to see a lot of uh, WordPress developers needing to to double down on their JavaScript. And even I think it was like a year ago or a year and a half ago, Matt Mullenweg said like learn JavaScript deeply. Um, and there's still a lot of people in WordPress land that are are skirting by on on not knowing a whole lot of JavaScript. And uh, time is running out, I believe, because it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's everywhere, and if you're going to want to to write next generation WordPress experiences, you're going to need to learn uh, some serious JavaScript, or at least some some decent JavaScript. Yeah, and you know, what would be really sick would be like a full on like perfect WordPress experience or perfect uh, dare I say Drupal experience that are uh, would be 100% Node and React based. I mean, there are people who do who are doing the Node and React. CMS sort of land, yeah. But it'd be sweet if there was like something that was f- as good as WordPress is for for what it does, and, and who knows what that even looks like, or if that even makes sense in yeah. twenty eighteen. Uh, there there are things like graph graph CMS that look like really super sweet um, that that are kind of taking over some of that CMS role, but also yeah. There was another one that was end. there was another one that I was using for a while that was based on Express. Um, I totally it totally I'll put it in the show notes when I remember it but uh, it seems to development seems to have stalled and I don't know I, I think that WordPress is going to become much more of a CMS people love the back end of WordPress people are love to be able to put their content into it and in myself I'm just so tempted to uh, to rewrite my website and I'm not they're not not leaving WordPress anytime soon but uh, I'm very tempted to rewrite the front end in nextjs and have mm-hmm. it all like preload and really slick interface with animations and be like, it's WordPress, baby. Just yeah. react, react on the front end. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, you could do all sorts of stuff with that because now, with with even with Gatsby, you could. There's a WordPress GraphQL uh, plugin for Gatsby that makes pulling queries out of your WordPress API super easy in GraphQL and have it statically generate. And there's a lot of cool options, and I think um, we got a lot of these cool options in 2017 it's going to be really interesting to see some of them mature and grow a bit in 2018 and and how this all all changes for us exactly and uh on the same note react dropped its silly patent so super react, silly yeah react had this like patent license which was causing a ton of people to drop react and <laughs> sorry it was causing a uh, a ton of people to 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 drop React and I'm really excited to to finally see that React and all of the Facebook projects have dropped that that license and uh, yeah. we can we can stop having to uh, but I, I guess as a benefit to to that Vue got really popular as well because a lot of people were moving over to Vue and and realizing how amazing Vue is. Yeah, that definitely took a like that was one of those things where the React license was tripping some people out, and that was at that right time when Vue was really starting to grow. So uh, I think Vue took a, a big advantage of that. Of that, like you know, where should I go? What should I do? And here's this new platform, Vue, that's really nice. It's sort of reminiscent about the things that we liked about Angular One, but um, you know, n- nicer overall than ever. You know, more modern, more component based, and. Yeah, Vue's cool. I, I love the ideas. I, I'm not using it myself because I'm so invested into React right now. Um, yep. But it's one of those things I keep an eye on, and I I, I know how if I wanted to uh, get into it, I could do it. But you know, just keeping an eye on it. It's, it's definitely uh, definitely had its its year so far in 2017. Vue saw a big big new audience. Awesome. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, which is FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the best cloud accounting software that you could possibly have for your business. So I've been using it myself for for years and years and years. Um, And it's great for being able to invoice your clients. If you have to uh, send off an invoice to somebody, for example, FreshBooks sponsors this podcast and I have to send them an invoice to actually pay us, uh, send it off to them. One of the features that I really like about FreshBooks is I use it to track all of my expenses as well. And one thing that you can 
do is you can hook it directly up to your bank account. So anytime that you have uh, an expense, you can just import all of your um, debits or credits from your bank and into your FreshBooks. And you can line each of those up with an, with a, an actual expense. So you're not accidentally forgetting. Sometimes I lose a receipt or something like that, but I still want to get the actual expense logged. Uh, so in that case, you can just import them right from your bank. So uh, if you are a small business or just looking to bill someone, make sure you go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax and enter syntax into the how did you hear about us section because that will make sure that Scott and I keep getting paid. Uh, so thanks so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring. Nice. If, see, if I would have done a, a segue for that one, here's, a, here's segue school 101 here. Okay. Uh, I could have done like, let's say, uh, Vue is a fresh technology and you know what else is fresh? FreshBooks. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Kind of amazing. Amazing. <laughs> They're not supposed to be good. I I, I am a, a dad now, and I've been like really, really like before I was a dad, I was trying to do dad jokes, and my wife's just like, "You're not getting it." Like, I don't know if this dad joke thing is gonna work. And I, I've been trying to practice really hard, and I think the segue and the dad joke thing line up like very well. Yeah, you're doing yeah. really well. I'm imp- yeah. I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you it's been it's been practice um so yeah okay so javascript huge advancements huge new things made life a lot easier let's talk a little bit about css because uh css was not without its fair share of growth and moments as well in in 2017 and i think obviously the biggest one uh that you could say is probably one of the biggest changes to css overall or how we write css is the arrival of css grid and what that means for us moving forward yeah, the uh, so the browsers just came out of nowhere, and they all had released CSS Grid. They were all being developed behind a flag sneakily, and then within I think about a couple of months, all of the the browsers turned on support for for CSS Grid. So uh, it's here. Obviously, we still have IE eleven that we have to worry about. Don't tweet me. I understand, but. Um, it's pretty soon in the next year or so. I think 2018 will be uh, the time that CSS Grid starts to to make it into a lot of production websites, if if not already. So pretty excited about that. We also saw Firefox's um, a really sweet CSS Grid Dev Tools launch. So uh, if you haven't seen it, it puts this really nice grid over top of your grid uh, to show you exactly where the different sections and, and whatnot are. Um, are you uh, you've been pretty happy with uh, CSS Grid so far too? Yeah, I'm I'm using it in production. I'm uh, I'm converting a bunch of my layouts uh, over to it already. I I just love the simplicity. I love how easy it is to build excellent responsive grids with it. Um, I was when I when I did my modern CSS layouts course available on levelupdoors.com forward slash store. When I made that series, (laughs) uh, you know, it really opened my eyes to some of the the more complex, amazing things you can do with CSS grid and some of the irregular grid shapes. And um, if you can, if you can think about it, like, I don't know, there's not too many layouts outside of that, you know, Pinterest style layout that's still um, not really super existent without JavaScript that you can't do with CSS grid. It's just one of those things that's excellent. And I feel like it's forever changing the way that I'm approaching writing my CSS and absolute for the best. So yeah, I've also been, I had a really nice talk with uh, Benjamin DeCock, uh, who works at Stripe. He's, he's been crazy about CSS grid for, for quite a while now. And, uh, um, I talked to him about like, like when do you use Flexbox versus Grid? And, and he had some interesting things to say in terms of just use, always use Grid. So I've been trying that the last week or two of, can I write everything just in Grid? And there's some, there's arguments on both sides for it, but uh, I haven't made a decision, so I won't go into it too deep just yet. But it's, uh, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how people's Grid usage unfolds once they start to, uh, to use it in production applications over 2018. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm I'm ready for the the blog posts and the the really cool. Well, you can do this with CSS Grid. I mean, we're already getting those, and I'm excited for more of them because uh, these kind of major shifts are going to ripple and ripple and ripple until we have like a totally new way of doing all sorts of stuff. I I, I remember like. I don't know when people found a new way to do clear fix and it was like, uh, yeah, like crazy. Look like, here, we've been doing clear fix this way for all these years, but this way is more performant, better, whatever, smaller. And 
we're going to have those kind of epiphanies all year in 2018, and I'm excited for it because that, that sort of stuff gets me excited. I love CSS. Another thing that has become really popular in 2017 was the sort of the idea of componentizing your CSS. So a lot of, we've been writing like BEM CSS for, for years and years, um, but I, I feel like a lot of people are really starting to, to see the benefits of uh, writing your CSS in components, whether you're writing it in BEM or a lot of people more likely are writing it in something like style components or scope CSS or style JSX or whatever the scope CSS is in view. Um, where you write your CSS for a specific component and the CSS does not leak outside of that. And we, we talked about that in a couple of our episodes so far. Um, but we're starting to, I don't know, we're starting to see it uh, become really popular in, uh, in, in I, I've been a convert this year. Uh, yeah. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I, I've been moving my system over to styled components. And one of the things that's opened my eyes to is uh, building design systems. So I, I made a big effort to build out my entire uh, design system into Figma, which is my um which is my design application of choice. Uh, love Figma. If you don't know, it's a cross-platform, works on Mac Linux, Linux uh, Windows, and is like Sketch, but works on everything and is browser-based and cloud saves and that sort of stuff. It's awesome. Uh, so, uh, so I've been making an effort to really rebuild my entire design system in Figma, but at the same time, I'm building this design system of styled components to match my design system in Figma. And it's totally opened my eyes to how you work with things and extending them. And um, maybe if you have this one-off thing, then that styled component lives exactly in that sort of same file as that React component. And you never have to worry about those styles colliding with anything else. You don't have to worry about class names. You don't have to worry about naming things because that's like a, a giant pain sometimes is coming up with these long BEM names and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you love BEM. Uh, it, it's a great thing and it's made everyone's CSS more readable. But uh, you know, not having to come up with those class names has been really super nice. And I honestly, I, I just, I've been totally blown away by the system. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to start moving the entire thing over right now. And we're going to see how that goes. I, I kind of miss a lot of the features on stylus, but that said, um, I, I'm loving the, the sort of way that styled components have made me rethink about my, my uh, styles overall. And before, yeah, again, before you tell me this, like I do know that uh, it, I don't need styled components to rethink my CSS design system, but it has definitely opened my eyes to how it could be better. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another thing in CSS is, and this isn't new, um, but I think it's it's getting a lot of traction. Is is CSS variables? A lot of people are finding out about or CSS custom properties uh, this year, so it's exciting to to see all of the different use cases that you can use in CSS. And we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Is what's new in CSS? There's a lot of really exciting stuff that's going to be coming in in 2018 as well. Yeah, I, I'm super excited to use CSS variables. Uh, in my application without any sort of fault, like, I'm just dying to do that. I wish I could do it right now. I have like a 3% audience of people that would not get variables. And I guess 3% is large enough that I need to have fallbacks for those things, yep. you know? And so that kind of bumps me out. I don't want to have to write the color and the background or anytime I'm using a color, I don't want to have to write the property twice as a fallback, but... Um, I'm so excited for CSS variables. I want to yeah. use those right now more than anything else. I think I'm I'm really curious to see where we'll be a year from from right now because the, the rate at which the browsers update, especially once we bear uh, a bid farewell to IE 11, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a totally different game in terms of like these things are new and three months later everybody can use them because I, I there's still i guess some old devices that might be like the new ie 11 mm -hmm. um but i don't know i, I think this stuff is going to be moving a lot and it already is it's moving a lot faster than uh than it is i remember we had to wait forever just to use some of the new css three very uh sorry I knew we had to wait forever just to see some of the new CSS3 features. Uh, and it seems like this new CSS stuff is, is coming quicker than, uh, than we had to wait before. Yeah, 
better uh, css is the best it's ever been and it's only getting better and i'm excited to actually get to use a lot of this great new stuff and i'm excited to see all the new stuff that you're eventually going to get to use so yeah i think 2018 is going to be a great year for css it's going to be a great year for javascript and thusly it's going to be a great year for all of us developers who work in these tools uh so yeah i'm just I'm totally optimistic and i'm pretty psyched about everything so Awesome. Let's wrap it up with some just like general anything goes what happened. I think one of the big ones was VS Code uh, got really, really big. It seems like everybody moved over to to VS yeah, Code in, super hot. in the last uh, year. I myself moved over to it. We did a, a probably one of our most popular podcasts was about VS Code and people switching over. We heard t- tons and tons of people who made the switch after that podcast. So uh, VS Code released tons of new features it's getting really really good it seems like every release there's there's lots of new exciting stuff so uh, i'm excited to see the new um what is it the the live coding the sort of pair programming mm-hmm. uh that's going to be coming out in 2018 uh with vs code yeah, a lot of cool features. And it's the my favorite thing about VS Code is just how much it improves all the time. I'm on the Insider's build and I like look forward to updating every single day cuz you never know what you're going to get. There's always just some excellent excellent improvement and that team is doing some serious work and building a serious serious text editor. It's awesome. Um and what else do we have? Uh, Iron Yard closed down. So uh, coding boot camps are, have been around for, for many, many years now. And I'm a big fan of coding boot camps. I think that they're uh, one of the best ways for someone who's trying to, to get up and running and, and sort of get acclimatized with this crazy industry of ours. Obviously, we're, we're doing an hour-long show of what changed in, in the last year. Um, but uh, one of the biggest ones, which is Iron Yard closed down, which is... Uh, uh, a bit of a bummer. I know that they had tons of really great students as well as tons of really good instructors that that live there. So I was a, I was pretty bummed to see that happen. A lot of them uh, had taken my courses as sort of supplemental uh, information, but uh, I don't know if that's a has anything to do with our industry or it was just uh, uh, business decisions that maybe the the company was growing too fast and uh, running out of cash. I'm not, I'm not really sure what happened there, but it was kind of kind of a bummer to see. I actually had not heard of. The Iron Yard. Uh, oh man, their website's they're, super nice. It's still up, but it's very nice. <laughs> they had how many? I think they had how many uh, locations do they have? Let me go to their website here if, they, if it's still up. One, two. Yeah, probably about 15 locations all around the wow. US Atlanta, Austin, Charleston, Dallas, Charlotte, Durham. Uh, so they were one of the big, big players there. And, uh, they just uh, closed their doors, which is sad to see. But uh, props to uh, anyone who did go through that boot camp and uh, now got jobs. So it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know about what else. What else happened? Um, uh, yeah. I don't really know. It seems like there's so much JavaScript and CSS stuff that happened this year. Tooling got better. We got a hyper terminal, which I personally don't use, but uh, a lot of people seem to really like, um, which is a terminal that's based in. Electron, so yeah, you can Electron write plugins kit. for it in JavaScript. Pretty neat. I use it myself. It's not perfect yet, uh, but it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I, I think that in the last maybe three months, it's got a lot better in terms of performance. But I still have some some issues here and there. But I, I like it enough that uh, I, I I've been staying in it. Uh, Twitter switched to 280 characters. This is not <laughs> development related, but uh, as someone who uses Twitter quite a bit, uh, I was pretty happy to do that. Um, I know a lot of people are butthurt over the 280 characters, but uh, I, I like to post Twitter tips every now and then, and it allows me to, to be a little bit more spacious uh, with my explanations of things. And uh, the, the well actuallys have cut down uh, drastically because... Uh, I'm able to to explain a little bit more in a, in, a, in a tweet before I actually can send it off. So I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I, you know, I think the the day of abuse, like where everyone was abusing it for like 24 hours. Yeah. Like now that that period <laughs> is gone, like I, I think it, if if nothing else, it's made me less like frustrated when I'm one or two characters over. So uh, a plus on that. Did you, I, I guess like progressive web apps became a bigger thing this year? Yeah, yeah, it's actually uh, something I haven't haven't dabbled in a whole lot, but it's something that I heard a whole lot about. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, progressive web app. Uh, I don't don't quote me on this 
as being de facto or whatever, but it's it's a website that's going to work in like more like an application. So it's going to be fast. It's going to be reliable. It's going to work offline. It's going to well at least have some sort of offline experience, not like necessarily the same offline experience. Um, so basically, these are applications that function much more like a real application. They use things like. Uh, web workers um, to uh, deliver this experience offline. Uh, there's a whole app checklist. Let me actually find this. Um, yeah, so your site must be delivered over HTTPS. Pages are responsive for mobile and tablet. Uh, URLs load when offline. Uh, metadata to add your application to a home screen of a phone, first fast first load on 3G, site works cross browser, page transitions don't feel like they block the network, uh, each page has a URL. There's a whole lot of stuff here and uh, it's all things that aren't gonna make your site better. So yeah, so I, I think uh, progressive web apps, uh, this is an episode we need to do prioritize early 27 or 2018, just like our our GraphQL one. So we should move this up to the top of the list because this is there's gonna be a lot of stuff here and it's gonna be a lot of stuff that makes your application instantly better. And a lot of it's actually really easy to implement, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, other than that, what is one thing in 2018 that you are either looking forward to or really, really hope that will drop in, in web development? Hmm. I can, while you think about it, I'll talk about mine. And I'm really hoping for container queries in CSS to be specced out and, and to, to get that red stamp of approval. I don't know if it will happen in a year but I'm really hoping it will. Um, and what that is, is sort of like a media query, but instead of just having the viewport uh, size, you can um, you can specifically say when the width of this container, like when the width of uh, this component in my CSS is less than 400 pixels, then change it. Because sometimes you might have like a Twitter widget or uh, a cart widget, and you might have it in two different spots on your website. And when when one of them is 600 pixels wide or 500 pixels high, then you want to like make it look a little different than when it's really, really small, right? So uh, there are some ways you can do container queries right now with JavaScript, but having them natively in CSS is something that I'm really crossing my fingers for. Yeah, uh, I, there's so many uh, times when you could almost say that element queries or container queries are almost always going to be the right way rather than like a media query. Because if you think about it, each of your components should respond to its given size, not the browser size. Exactly. Uh, and maybe the browser size is what's changing up your layout and stuff like that. But each individual component, yeah, I, we, we used element queries via polyfill uh, very briefly when we were doing Ford.com. Uh, we eventually had to abandon it due to just general... Um, issues with uh compatibility right yeah. even with the polyfill but in that brief time that we were using them i was totally convinced that this was the future of how we were going to do media queries and, and reshuffling components overall it's excellent so yeah i i would just copy yours i would say that uh <laughs> i'm looking forward go. to that and i'm also i'm just looking forward to being able to use uh css variables and explore all of those exciting ways that we talked about using it not in the last episode but the episode before that where we were talking about being able to use them in media queries and stuff like that i'm excited to get my hands dirty and start using some of that stuff in production and uh, hopefully i'll be able to do that because i, I think that's just just you know the future also uh it would be sick if uh, we could do better transitions with css grid i know we mentioned that before i have no idea if there's any plans in involved in that i don't know what it would even take but it'd be sick i would love it. i would love it but yeah that's that's just me right on uh, let's talk about some sick picks and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my sick pick this week is something that, uh, is an unexpected sick pick. I picked it up on a whim here on black Friday. I got the, uh, the Google daydream, which is a VR headset for your phone. Um, Google phones or daydream ready phones. They're like specific type of phones have this VR mode where it like, boots into a separate version of the operating system and runs super duper nicely. Uh, but this this headset was like 60, 70 bucks or something, and it has a remote control and We've been going nuts with it. Courtney and I have been using it, like watching 3D videos. I was watching videos on all these uh, different, uh, uh, you know, 
civilizations and stuff like that and you can go tour different stuff and and have these 3d videos and as someone who doesn't have a legit vr headset for the price and everything it works with my phone uh the Google Daydream was just so unexpectedly awesome. I, I'm having a hard time putting it down. I want to like go watch more 3D videos. I just did one where I was like a Red Bull uh, F1 driver, and you're you're like really feeling the speed, and you're looking around, and I, you know I, I sound like a noob to VR, but this this stuff is is super duper cheap. It works really extremely well. The controller's amazing. Everything about it was wow. uh, very nice. So Google Daydream, really really super cool. Wicked. I got one now. Um, my sick pick is because I um, because I have an assistant now helping out with my email, which is um, I'm pretty excited about. Um, I needed some way to share my inbox without just giving out a password because uh, there's a whole lot of like stuff that goes along with with sharing an inbox with somebody um, and being able to mark things as done and assign them to people. So. I ended up um, switching over to this email client called Missive, um, and it works with your existing email account. So I use Gmail or, and Google Apps or what is it called? Google Suite now uh, yeah, for that. <laughs> um, but what Missive does is it, it just it's it's an app on the web. It's an app on your desktop. It's an app on your phone, um, and then you can add multiple people to that, and and then each of them then has their own concept of an inbox. And then what you can do is every they can either see all the email or like for example my personal email. I can take things out of and give to my assistant or the I have a new email address that everything all my new support stuff goes to and she sees all of that and and deals with it accordingly. So if it's something that I I need to be dealt with, then she signs me and I can assign her. Um, what's really neat is that in the threading of the emails, you can also have chat which means that like you be like we can chat back and forth in terms of like how to deal with an email and then and then you can actually send an email to the the client and it's all in this one really nice um, slick thing and the one thing that I didn't expect about it is that the actual client to for dealing with my email is really really slick and it's really fast and I feel like I process my email once I learned all the different keyboard shortcuts and once I got used to it um, I feel like I'm doing my email much faster than than I was before because I could just blow through it really nice and quick. I've never in my life used a desktop email client. I've always used something in I've used Gmail or Google Inbox in the web, um, but it's uh, I've been super happy with with how it's going. So it's called Missive, um, and it's it's not real. It's not really for someone just who's doing their own email. But if you are looking at uh, sharing an inbox. If you have a support email address where you need to uh, have multiple people being assigned things, then I'd definitely check that out. Nice. Yeah, that that seems like something that's going to be uh, super good for your goals too for this year, which were um, you know automating and delegating. That that fits right into this episode perfectly. So exactly. Nice. Other than that, uh, we are uh, done this episode. Or do you have any uh, shameless plugs for me? Uh, I got a shameless plug. Um, well, you, last week you plugged your Instagram account. I'll plug my Instagram yeah. account, which is S Tolinsky, or I have one at Level Up Tutorials. Level Up Tutorials for code stuff, and at S Tolinsky, if you like to see me spinning on my head and stuff like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I honestly mostly post uh, photos of uh, my wife Courtney, my child Landon, or <laughs> myself spinning on the ground. So if uh, you want to see any of those things. <laughs> Follow me on uh, Instagram. That's awesome. I actually got a ton of new followers on Instagram after last week's episode. So uh, props to everyone who who followed through on that. If you still haven't, I'm at West Boss on everything, but Instagram as well. You want to follow me on that. Other than that, um, I am today. I'm starting recording my CSS Grid series. I uh, finalized everything. I have I have a I do have a sponsor coming on uh, to help out with the 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 paying for my time in the recording. So I was pretty happy about that. I just finalized those details on Friday um, and uh, that should be out. I, I know I, I was hoping to get it out before Christmas, but uh, things didn't work out. So uh, I'll likely have it out first week of, of January. That's what it's looking like right now. Dope. Cool. Other than that, we'll see you next week. See ya. Have a good one. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all our shows. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. 